talking about all the exciting things that are happening here at the church. Uh, next week, we start our sermon series on worship. It's called Downpour. And if you're like me and have attended church for a long time, or maybe you're new, maybe this is your first time to church, and you're wondering, why do we sing these songs? Why do we take the time to sing songs before the sermon and after the sermon? Uh, well, we're going to answer that question during this series, and so we're really excited to learn more about what it means to truly worship God. So to help us kick off this sermon series, we've created a brand new event called the 2016 First Church Winter Rally. It's happening on Wednesday, January 6th at 6.30 p.m. As a part of this event, we'll be taking some time to worship. We'll be singing some great songs led by our phenomenal worship leaders. You won't want to miss out. But also, if you're wondering what kind of classes we have going on in January and you're wanting to get plugged in, you'll also want to attend. We'll be sharing about all that during the Winter Rally. We hope to see you there. Thanks for joining us. We hope you have a great time with us this morning, and we'll see you next week. Well, Merry Christmas. Hot mic, hot mic. It's just about to feed back, John, if you want to turn that down just a hair. Well, it's good to be gathered as the church. We didn't have a white Christmas, no snow, but it was good anyways. Did anyone have a good Christmas? Any? All right, all right. Yay, Merry Christmas. It's Christmas. Well, we're going to start by worshiping God through song, so I want to invite you to stand as you're able. This is a Christmas song, but with a little bit newer chord progression. Hope you sing along, worship God through these songs. It came upon a midnight clear, that glorious song of old, from angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold.
of strife and hear the Listen to these words from Luke 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. We want to spend some time glorifying God through our songs, just like those shepherds, just like those angels. So let's sing together. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God forever. Glory to God, glory to God. Glory to God forever. Before the world was made, before the world was made, before you spoke it to be, you were the King of Kings. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you were, and now you're reigning still, enthroned above all things. Angels and saints cry out, we join them as we sing.
said amen well you can have a seat and as you're doing that our ushers are going to get ready to take up our tithes and offerings so ushers you can go ahead and get ready for that as well uh, again welcome my name is Dan and besides doing some of the music here I also head up the young adult community so if you're uh, in or near your 20s as we like to say uh, talk to me afterward Another way you can get connected is to find your section leader after the service. They'll have a lanyard, be standing in the back. encourage you to meet them, and uh, they'll tell you what's going on in the life of the church. Uh, we're going to check out this video. We just introduced this new way of giving online, a new platform, so check out this quick video about that. about you guys, but I have written like two checks in the last five years, and I don't carry cash anymore. So when we pass this plate, it's sort of a, 
a dated way of contributing money, and so we're trying to introduce this new way of giving welcome to like 2015. We're, we're in the future, guys, so it's, it's great. Um, but I encourage you, if you are already uh, signed up to do the archaic giving online with our old website, um, we're phasing that out. It was kind of a pain to use anyway, so I encourage you to switch over to this new platform. You can log on at myfirstchurch.com, get more info on what that means. But tithing and giving of our offerings is a way we pool our resources uh, so that we can do some pretty neat things in our community and around the world. Um, in our own community, we have this thing uh, used to be called the Friends and Neighbors Network. Now it is the Community Food Network. It's a new name. I had to think about that. Community Food Network. It's, this, uh, it's like a food pantry, but a little more dignified way of doing that. So it's a co-op. People buy into it, uh, and then they have a stake in, in the group, and uh, they pool their resources, are able to buy some food at a huge discount from uh, one of these big food networks. And then they get to provide for their family in a dignified way. So this is one of the areas that locally your, your tithing dollars goes to, besides keeping the lights on and keeping the heat going. So I encourage you to give. Uh, if you agree with what we're doing, if you find meaning in what you experience here on the weekends, if you believe in the vision of this church, I encourage you to give and support that. We get to be a part of God's work restoring uh, broken things in this community and around the world. So let's pray together. God, we love you, and uh, we just pray that you would take these, these funds that we put together. God, help us to be good stewards. Help us to hold on loosely to the things we've been given. God, help us to trust that when we follow you and when we take a step in faith, that you will guide us. God, help us as we uh, try to be good neighbors in our own community and as we try to show love to those around the world as well. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be talking a little bit about doubt and how even some of these extraordinary characters from the Christmas story experienced doubt. They wrestled with their purpose. And so uh, this is a song written by a group called Gunger that just expresses some of that doubt and uh, also offers some hope. So just listen to these words. Tried to stand my ground, tried to understand, can't seem to find my faith again. Like water on the sand, grasping at the wind, I keep on falling short. Please be my strength. Please be my strength, because I don't have any more. I don't have any more. 
looking for a place where I can plant my faith. One thing I know for sure, I cannot create it, I cannot sustain it. It's your love that's keeping me. Please be my strength. Please be my strength. Cause I don't have any more. I don't have any more. At my final breath, I hope that I can say. Fought the good fight of faith. I pray your glory shine in this doubting heart of mine. All would know that you, you are my strength. You. Bringing me back home. You are my strength. You are my strength. You Thanks, Dan. Um, let's just take a quick moment and pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather here. Um, I thank you for the people in this room and the people who are watching online. And um, God, today as we tackle the subject of kind of doubting our calling um, while we're pursuing our purpose, may you um, just open our hearts to what it is that you have to, uh, to say to us today, God. I pray that people would be encouraged. Um, God, be with me as I speak. May, it, uh, may these words not be mine, but may they be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> well, good morning. Uh, in case we haven't had the opportunity to meet, my name is Chris, and I am the missions director here at First Church. Um, David is on vacation with his family. Uh, he's visiting his parents in Ohio this weekend, and so you are stuck with me, for better or for worse. But I think we'll make it through. I'll, don't worry, I'll have you out on time for lunch. Um, so right now, oh, and I should stop and extend a special welcome to those of you who are watching uh, via our online campus. Uh, for those of you here who don't know, we've started streaming this service online. So if you're ever um, in a place where you can't attend but you want to see the service, you can log in online at myfirstchurch.com. Or if you have friends and family who um, want to see what's happening here at First Church, they can watch it there too as well. So a special hello to my parents who are watching, uh, my in-laws. Um, it's a little nerve-wracking to be streaming online because as soon as I mess up, it's going to be made into like some kind of funny video or meme and it's going to go viral. Uh, so I'm really going to try hard not to make any mistakes here. Um, but anyways, 
Uh, right now, we are wrapping up our sermon series um, called Extraordinary. It was Ordinary People Used by Our Extraordinary God. And last Sunday, Pastor David spoke about Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I really needed that sermon. Um, it was a great reminder to me that we always need to be in humble submission to God's plan. Because imagine Mary. She's engaged to Joseph. You know, this is, this is probably her dream. She's excited about getting married. She's looking forward to her future. And then she's going about her ordinary life. And then an angel appears to her and tells her that she is going to be the virgin mother to the Savior of the world. Wow, that's a big, that's a game changer for her. And just imagine what she's thinking as this is happening. You know, she's, she's experiencing fear. She's experiencing some doubt and questioning. Experiencing surprise. You know, because this virgin birth, we look back and I'd say, wow, that's amazing. And we now, um, you know, we, we look at Mary and we, we, we preach about her and we teach about her. She's in the Bible. But back then, for her to be pregnant and unwed was a really big deal. That was not a good thing in the culture where she was living. And she's thinking, I've got to explain this to my fiancé. Well, thankfully, God intervened and another angel went and visited Joseph and um, spoke to Joseph. But still, the road ahead of Mary was not an easy one. But here's where, here's the takeaway from Mary, is that she moved from her ordinary reaction into extraordinary action. When she says to the angel, I am the Lord's servant, she was in humble submission to God's plan, whatever that meant for her. And so at the end of the sermon, Pastor David uh, presented us with a challenge. He said, what extraordinary thing has God called you to do? Because God has a purpose for all of us. I believe that um, we all actually have the same overarching purpose, and that's found in Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we've all been called to love God. And we've all been called to love our neighbor. But we also, each of us here, have individual specific callings. Some of us were raising kids, like my, my wife and myself, um, we have a three-month-old at home, and it's been, it's been an amazing adventure. And I believe that our calling for the next 20 years or so, or for a lifetime, really, is to raise Elaine so that she loves God and that she changes culture for the better and that she does not settle for the status quo. That's our calling. Or maybe your calling is uh, to start a nonprofit to help the homeless. Or maybe you're single, you don't have a family, you don't have kids, and maybe you're feeling called to connect people to positive community. Uh, we had a friend uh, when we first moved here who was responsible for helping Amanda and I get connected to this church and making sure that we were connected to people here. And he was really influential in our lives. And that was a calling for him, and he was living that out. He was living out his purpose, and he was doing it well, and it was a very important calling for him. Maybe you're feeling called to be a mentor, to give back, to share some of your life experiences with somebody else. And you're considering our Jobs for Life program. And through that program, mentors 
meet with people who are having a hard time finding and keeping work. And you help them develop the soft skills they need to, um, to move forward in their career. A really worthwhile thing. But whatever your calling is, I mean, it, there's so many things that God could be calling us to. Um, whatever it is, we know that God is calling us to something. Now, for those of you who are sitting here thinking, okay, I, 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 you, Chris, you say God call, is calling me to something, but I'm not really sure what that is. Or maybe you've got lots of different ideas, like, like myself. I'm, well, is it, is it this thing, or is it this over here? Am I supposed to move here? Am I supposed to do this? What exactly is my calling? If that's you and you're kind of having those questions, I would encourage you to pick up the book called Do Something by Kevin DeYoung. It's a great book, really easy, short read. You can buy it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And it's all about pursuing your calling. What is God calling you to do and taking action on it? Now, as we all know from life experience, as we pursue our calling and just as we move through life, we will hit roadblocks. When we, don't, when we think that the plan, or when things aren't going as planned, maybe we see this specific outcome happening and we're not getting that outcome. What do we do then? And we know this is going to happen. It's inevitable. And so we're going to look at the story and life of John the Baptist. John started off his career with a laser focus. He was pursuing his calling. And then through a turn of events, he finds himself in jail on death row. So let's take a look at John's life. So John was born to Zachariah and Elizabeth. And if you've been with us through this whole series, we actually talked about them in week one because John was a miracle child. You see, Zachariah and Elizabeth, when they um, had John, were quite old. They were actually well past their childbearing years. I imagine early on in their life, they had been praying that God would give them a child. And the answer never came. Until one day, again, when they're quite old, Zechariah is in the temple and an angel appears to him and says, Zechariah, you are going to have a son. And the angel goes on to talk about John and all the great things that John was going to accomplish in his life. So, Elizabeth has John and John carries on with his life, and we catch up with him in his early career in Matthew 3, 1 through 12. It says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all of Judea and all of the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. Here he is talking about Jesus. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. 
but the chaff he will burn with, un, with an unquenchable fire. So we see that John has become a preacher of sorts. He's kind of a fire and brimstone type of guy. He's calling people out of their sin, calling them to repent. He's baptizing them. And he's also prophesying about Jesus, as we saw where he says, There is one coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. So at this point, John is sold out. He's forsaken kind of the normal everyday life. He's living in the desert. He's wearing what I presume to be very itchy camel hair. I think it's dry clean only, too. And uh, he's eating locusts and honey. Okay, so, I mean, he is pursuing his purpose. He has got tunnel vision on what God has called him to do. And he's giving it all he's got. So John's out doing his thing, and then one day Jesus appears on the scene. And we find this in Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to, to see John, to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. All right. So now, let's kind of put ourselves in John's head for a second. He's been living this life, forsaking everything that's normal. And the Messiah is here. He gets to baptize Jesus. He sees the dove come down. He hears the voice say, This is my son with whom I am well pleased. John is on cloud nine. It's all been worth it. The locusts, the desert, the itchy camel hair. This is why he's been doing this. And so we've all been there, right? Like we have that victory, like, all right, this is why I'm pursuing this calling that God has placed on my heart. He's feeling good. But that feeling doesn't last forever for John because we find John in prison on death row. Take a look at Mark 6, 17 through 18. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So John, in pursuing his purpose, was calling people out of their sin. And one of those people was Herod. And Herod's wife was not very happy about this. So they had John imprisoned. And so things aren't really looking great for John. He's been pursuing his purpose. God, I've been calling people to repent from their sins. I've been baptizing people. I got to baptize Jesus. And and now I'm in prison? You know, what gives? Well, and let's talk about that jail for a second, too. We sometimes think, like, well, he's in a holding tank somewhere uh, in the county jail. Um, Their jails were nothing like what we have today, okay? It was dark. It was dirty. um, Really poor sanitation. Uh, They did not have all the human rights uh, laws in place like we do now. John is in a really uncomfortable place, as we sometimes find ourselves in as well. So things are not looking good. And we find John kind of sinking deeper and deeper into despair and even some doubt 
And we see this in Matthew eleven two through 6. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Okay, so let's kind of recap things for John. Things are going great. I'm pursuing my calling. I get to baptize Jesus. I see the dove. I hear the voice. Now I'm in prison. So how is John feeling? What's he thinking right now? If it were me, I'd be thinking, was it worth it? Was this life of seclusion and stepping away from society, was it all worth it? I could have had a house in the suburbs. I could have been wearing something other than this camel hair. I'm getting really tired of eating locusts and honey. I could have had something so much better than this. And now, here I am. What a waste. And now he's even beginning to question, is Jesus the Messiah? Are you the one who is to come? He's kind of doubting everything. Basically, he's doubting his whole existence and everything he's been pursuing. So what are some of the lessons we can take from John? Well, we know that we all have a purpose. In Jeremiah 29.11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Okay, so we know that God has a plan for us. And it says, um, for welfare, not for evil. But we know at times we are going to face hardships. It's just inevitable. It's the human condition, okay? And where God says, welfare not for evil, that what he's saying is, I'm walking alongside you, and ultimately, at the end of the day, we know the end of the story. God is victorious. God will bring and restore his ideal to earth. And we will, those who believe in Christ, we will be with him in heaven. So, At times, we will face this hardship. You know, we were never promised the easy life. Jesus himself says so in John 16, 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, and again, I'm I'm preaching to the choir here when I say, the Christian life is not a comfortable life, but it is a fulfilling one because we are pursuing a purpose in the cause greater than ourselves. And when we have to have, if we have to have all the plans and everything figured out before we move forward with God's purpose, especially when we're in this dark place, we say, God, I'm not going anywhere until you figure this out. If we just sit down and, in our own despair, we're missing out on opportunities to see God move. We will be ineffective in our walk with Christ. Take the loaves and fishes story, for instance. Jesus has been uh, preaching a sermon and a a large crowd has gathered, 5,000 people, pretty big. And uh, the disciples are coming to Jesus and saying, look, Jesus, the crowd is, it's dinner time and they're hungry. Really what they're saying is like, Jesus, come on, man, like wrap it up, buddy. Like we're we're hungry, we need to go, Qdoba's closing soon, don't want to miss out on that, the lunch special, okay? But Jesus says to them, hey, how about we feed the 5,000? Let's provide a meal for them. Okay, so 
And I'm just trying to think, okay, what would I do if I'm there? And Jesus says, go and uh, go out in, in the 5,000 and find some food, okay? Sorry, sorry. So what, what's it like for Chris to be standing there in that moment? For those of you who know me, you know I am extremely type A. I live and die by my calendar, my task um, list. I'm, I'm, a, I'm constantly planning, okay? And if I was there, I'd be saying, all right, Jesus, like, great. Even if we find enough food, which we won't, uh, even if we find enough food, how are we going to distribute it? Will there be gluten-free options? Well, are we going to serve Coke or Pepsi? What will we do with all the garbage? I'll be, I'd be thinking through all those things, and I would, I would get stuck there because I would need all the answers. Now, thankfully, the disciples didn't get stuck there. I'm sure they had questions like, what is he up to? I, I don't really understand. But guess what? They went out, and they found the loaves and fishes, and they brought them back to Jesus. And the whole time, they're probably still questioning, like, how is this going to work? But even though they didn't know the answer, they still moved forward. And through that, we see one of the greatest miracles where Jesus takes these loaves and fishes and prays over them and they multiply and it feeds the 5,000. And so if we have to know all the answers and we refuse to move forward, we're going to miss out on seeing God do some really miraculous things in our lives. So how do we handle these hardships when they come? We know they're going to come. Well, first, as John is an example, we seek. John sent his disciples directly to Jesus and asked him, are you the one? And you know what? We can do the same thing. We can go directly to God and say, God, you know what? I'm really struggling. My kids aren't turning out the way I think they should. I've invested. I've given everything. Was it all worth it? We can take that to God. We read the scripture. We pray. We seek wise counsel from those around us. And so after we seek we begin to wait and listen for God's answer. And sometimes, as you know, we have to wait a long time. And again, take John as an example. The scripture makes it sound like John, like says, I, this is how I picture it. He's, he looks through the bars, his disciples are there, and says, uh, hey, go find out if Jesus is the Messiah. And they run a block away, talk to Jesus, and run back to John. But that's not how it happened. Because you see, back then, too, they didn't have cell phones. They couldn't open up Facebook and say, well, Jesus last checked in at the Starbucks four blocks from here. I bet you he's there still. Uh, let's go ask him. No, we see that Jesus is actually going from city to city, preaching. So the disciples had to go and find Jesus. That probably took some time. And so John is having to sit there and wait for his answer. And that's sometimes going to happen to us. Sometimes we have to wait, or the answer we get doesn't make sense. Um, so, for instance, but we can, or excuse me, we can take hope in knowing that God always has a plan, and his plans are higher than ours. We see that in Isaiah 55, 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. So John may not have understood why he was in prison, but even after he heard back from Jesus, um, he at least knew that Jesus was the Messiah. He could, he could hold on to that. And so while we wait and listen, there's a certain point where we get our answer or we don't or we don't understand it. We still have to hold on and move forward. You see why John was waiting for his disciples to come back? He was still wrestling with his questions and his doubt. And again, if it were me in that situation, I might be thinking, you know what? 
Even though my disciples are out finding the answer I haven't heard back yet, I quit. This isn't worth it. Maybe I was all wrong. Jesus isn't turning out um, into the person who I thought he should be. You see, John was expecting Jesus to come in and overthrow the Roman government. That's what many of the um, Israelites thought was going to happen, that a Messiah was going to be raised up and Israel was going to be restored to its previous glory. But Jesus came humbly as a man who walked among us preaching grace and love. But you see, John didn't just let go. He didn't write here a letter and say, you know what, I've been barking up the wrong tree. I, I was completely washed up when I was talking about all this sin stuff and baptism and this Messiah. He's not turning out how I think he should. So I'm sorry I said, I'm sorry I offended you and offended your wife. Uh, could you let me out of prison now? I'll, I take back everything I said. You know, John didn't do that. He didn't apologize. He held on. And we too can hold on to God's promises. Uh, we can find them in Isaiah 40, 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Or in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. So as you're holding on and moving forward and, and pressing on through this hard time that you find yourself in, I would encourage you um, to find good community. You need people around you who you can call up and say, hey, things aren't working out as I think they should. Would you pray with me? Would you fast with me? Would you encourage me? And if you're disconnected from that positive community, I really encourage you to find that. And a great place to start if you attend one of our campuses is to get connected to, uh, to your section. You know, these sections are always having community gatherings. Get to know people there. Because these people will become your family and you'll support one another. Or you can uh, join a class. We're having our um, winter rally, as we heard about in the 10 before, uh, on January 6th at 6.30. We'll be having lots of different classes, opportunities to get plugged in and get to know people. But you need that positive community to come around you when things are hard. But the piece of advice I'd like to leave you with is don't doubt in the darkness what you once believed in the light. When things are tough and things aren't going as they planned, don't just give it up right then. Press on and get through, and then you can reevaluate. But often when things are dark around us, it's hard for us to see the path forward. And that's when we have to trust God. And that's when we need people around us to help us do that and to keep moving on. A great example of this is the story of Nate Saint, Jim Elliott, Ed McCulley, Roger Yauderin, and Pete Fleming. These five men and their families were missionaries in Ecuador. They'd been living in Ecuador for quite some time, um, reaching out to different people groups there. They've had a lot of success. And the year is 1955. And they're feeling called to go and reach out to the Aka people group. And this group, this tribe, was notorious for being very violent and unfriendly towards foreigners. And they had never been reached before, had never heard the gospel. And so these men and their families are feeling called to reach out to them. So they devise a plan. They uh, take their plane, they begin flying over the village, and uh, they find a way to lower a bucket via a rope, and they put gifts in the bucket. They do this for days and days on end. Until one day, the Aka people put a gift in the bucket for them in return. 
So they feel like they're making progress. They're excited. And they say, all right, it's time for us to make face-to-face contact with these people. And so they, they find a place to land near the village. And they land their plane there. And these five men, they set up camp. And they wait. And they wait. Wait, several days go by. And again, I can imagine, maybe they're starting to doubt a little bit. All right, God, you called us to do this. It's, it's not really turning out the way we think we should. They're, they're not coming out. What, what gifts? Well, a few days later, um, a man and two women emerge from the forest. And uh, through, their, through, broken, through the broken Aka language, the men are able to greet them. And they spend some time together. They share a meal. They give the man a, a ride in the airplane. So they feel like this is a really positive experience. And so the, the people who came to see them return to their village, and the men continue to wait. Nothing happens. Again, maybe they're kind of questioning, okay, God, what are you doing? Um, you've called us to reach these people. It's not turning out the way we think it should. A few days later, two women emerge out of the forest. The men are super excited. All right, this is it. We're, we're getting more positive energy around this. So they run out to meet the women. As they get closer, they notice behind the women a line of Aka warriors with their spears raised. And they have a moment to stop and think. And they know what's coming. And again, imagine them thinking, I've given my life for this? What's going to happen? The warriors throw their spears and it kills the men. And so now you have these the wives of these men and their family are back at their base camp and they're waiting for news to hear back about how it's going, reaching the Aka people. They're excited. No news comes for days. They start to assume the worst. So they send another missionary pilot out who flies over the area and they see the plane of these men destroyed. This becomes a big international affair. The U.S. sends in a search team and they recover the bodies. So God called these people, these these five families, to go and minister in Ecuador. And now what? You have wives without husbands and kids without fathers. It's a waste. It's not working out as it should. These families' lives, all their time in Ecuador, it's gone. Why do we even come here? Why do we forsake uh, the comfortable life in the United States and come here and live in Ecuador? So you could take our husbands and fathers away from us? I imagine that they were wrestling with these things. They, they were probably mad at God because they, they didn't understand what was happening. But guess what? The story doesn't end there. You see, from an account from the warriors themselves, a few of the warriors who killed the men, we got their story later, and they said after they killed the men, they saw angelic beings over their bodies. And they heard like glorious music coming from the heavens. And two years later, some of the families of the men who were killed moved in with the Aka Indians. And they're now a Christian tribe and a friendly people. They're living amongst the same people who killed their husbands and fathers and took them away. So you see, at first these families may not have understood what was, what was going on. It didn't look like God's plan or purpose was being fulfilled. But it was. An even bigger way than we could have ever imagined. And you see, these men left a legacy on their families. And we need to be doing the same thing. They were pressing on. 
And these families began to press on. And you know what that says to the world is that there's hope. There's a reason to keep going. And so we need to be doing that too because our culture needs to see us move forward. So we know that God has a plan and a purpose for all of us. And we know that things will not always go according to our plans. But we know that God's ways are always higher than ours. And God has a plan for everyone. He's got a plan even if you aren't a Christian. You might be sitting here thinking, okay, you know, I'm here checking out this Christianity thing. Um, and how does this really apply to me? Well, God's plan for you starts with Jesus. You see, the reason we celebrate Christmas is to celebrate Jesus' birth, the greatest gift to us of all. And Jesus came to give his life sacrificially so that we could have life more abundant. And so if you are interested in pursuing God's plan and calling for your life, and you haven't done that yet, it's really simple. There's no, like, not some magic words you need to even say. You just need to tell God, like, hey, you know what? I've fallen short. I can't do this. I want to be a part of your plan and purpose. I accept Jesus as my Savior. And so if that's you today, uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to help you take those next steps and walk with you. So tell someone around you or connect with me after the service. But we'd love to connect and celebrate with you through that. But again, no matter where you are, God has a plan and he's working it out. And remember, don't doubt in the darkness what you once believed in the light. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come together and um, to hear from your word and to be encouraged. God, I know that there are people um, here in this room and who are watching in the online campus, God, that are, are maybe facing that hard time of saying, you know, wondering like, God, I've been doing what you've asked me to do and it's not turning out the way I think it should. God, may those people be encouraged today knowing that you've got a big plan and that you're working out the details and we may not ever fully understand or see it but may we continue to press on so that you can be glorified and so that the world can see that there is a reason to keep going when things aren't looking good. And so God, we thank you that you always do work things out. We thank you that you love us. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. invite you to stand as we close with a couple songs. Maybe you're like me and maybe there's weeks uh, where we get together and you don't feel like singing. You don't have anything left to give. One of the beautiful things, my favorite thing about uh, being on the stage is be able to see so many of you and I don't know all of you but I know so many of your stories and to know what some of you are going through but you showed up and you sing to God you trust in God and you cry out to God
and you praise God through what you're going through. And so even on my worst mornings, that's, that's something that renews my faith, is seeing your faith. And I think that's, that's why the early church started to meet together and to, to sing together. Because it's through seeing each other's faith that our own faith is strengthened. As we sing these songs, uh, I hope we don't just sing the words, but I hope we truly pray these words as we, as we worship God together. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy sun comes up the sun comes up it's a new day dawn it's time to sing your song again whatever may pass and whatever lies before let me be singing with Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul. I worship Your holy name. sing together church bless the lord bless the lord oh my soul oh my soul worship his holy name sing like never before oh my soul i worship your holy name and on that day time has come still my soul will sing your praise unending ten thousand years 
go from here and may we be the light of Christ in the world and may we strengthen the faith of each other go in peace go tell it on the mountain over the hills and everywhere go tell it on the mountain